let's get into our Bibles this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, let's turn there again, and we're going to continue to dive further into this gospel of grace. What is the gospel? The good news. What's the good news? Grace. Here's it with me. Grace. It's grace. Grace is here. And so in Hebrews chapter 1, again, let's look at this in verse 1. It says, throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets. Now, aren't you thankful that God has spoken and he continues to speak? God has spoken through our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. And the revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. Now, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, I believe it is. In verses 10 through 12, if you just take a look at that, you actually see the Apostle Peter explaining that this was the heart and the excitement of these Old Testament prophets. They got glimpses of what God was going to do on behalf of all mankind. They got glimpses and pictures of it. Like, for example, if you read Isaiah chapter 53, you see the Isaiah actually prophesying about the servant that was coming, a suffering servant who was going to take all this sin, who was going to be weighed down with our issues, our sin, our problems, our weaknesses, our sickness and he's going to take it all upon himself he only got a little glimpse of that now today we know who that is to be jesus right so that's that's hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 again all old testament and god gave pictures through puzzle pieces here's the next little picture and he did it through every old testament prophet then you get into verse 2 it says but now to us living in these last days how many thankful that you're living today i mean crazy right in the world Isn't it nuts out there? But aren't you glad that you're not in the nations, you're in God's family called the church? I thought there'd be a little more excitement on that. I'm part of the church. My future is secure in him. I'm set. Anybody else set this morning? All right. (laughs) I'm so thankful for that. Now, but he says, to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, the appointed heir of everything, for through him, God created the panorama of all things for all time. Now, again, we just briefly touched on this last week, but I want to just take some time because I really felt the Spirit of God just lead me to go again in this. We have to get ingrained. Now, if Jesus doesn't come back for, you know, another little bit, we have to make sure we are established in this message of grace as we go forward because what Jesus did is he changed everything. So if my software is out of date, if I'm still operating by an old, out-of-date software, you can think about even on your phone, if I haven't uploaded it or updated it to this point, it's going to be very frustrating to connect. Right? So what I need, I need an up-to-date code of how things are operating in this day and in this age. Now, if I continue to try to go back in that old system, try operating by that old software, it's not going to work. Instead, it's going to breed frustration. And that's where a lot of frustrated Christians are. Like kind of Aaron was saying it during the, the uh, offering there for a bit. But it's behavior modification. Is that the system and that the software that we're living in today? No. Does that mean that God shouldn't care about that yet at all? No, but it's already it's going to be coming through a different way of operation. So we've got to learn the system. We've got to learn the software that we are part of today so that we can be functioning fully in this day of grace that we're living in. John chapter 1, verse 17, it says this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, say it with me, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what are we living in today? Where are we? 
in grace. Jesus gave birth to grace. Like it came out of him. That's who he is. And out of grace really is all truth. So if you're wanting, I want to know what operate in truth. You have to understand how grace is. And to understand grace, you got to come into the character and then the face of Jesus Christ. When you get a glimpse of what grace is and how good and expanse and how wide and deep and far-reaching it really is, you get amazed by it because it's not a subject. Grace isn't a subject. It's a person. And it all came from the man, Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're taking this time because Jesus now, he changed everything. He brought in and gave birth to grace. And out of grace now comes this truth that you and I are supposed to adhere and live our lives accordingly. Amen. Now, grace is God's way of dealing with us the moment we get born again. Now, what is that term born again? Again, somebody who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Bible says you've now been born again. You've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, and you've been placed into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And we call that trans- transaction that took place being born again. So whoever believes in their heart that Jesus died and rose again and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you are saved. Amen. Say it with me, I'm saved. That's a good place. Oh, I'm thankful for that. Now, because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, God's position or his stance towards me is not. No, what is it? It's grace. Grace, say with me, grace. It's here, it's here. Not psych. No, no, no. You're going to get open arms, and that's what blew the Pharisees' minds is because Jesus fulfilled the law, but then he came to bring in what God always wanted to do was to absolutely love the world with no restrictions. Let's get into that. So again, now what is this grace? Because of Jesus, the favor of God is all over you apart from what you do. You could be the biggest stinker there is, but guess what? His grace is still lavished all over you. Why? Because it's not based on my works. It's not based on what I do or what I don't do. Whoop, whoop. All right. Because of Jesus, my everyday needs, spirit, soul, and body are completely satisfied through his provision. Where do you get that? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let's turn there for a sec. I don't have that on the screen, but let's turn there for a quick moment. Do you mind if I read the Bible to you in church? Second Peter chapter 1, sorry. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, everything we could ever need. Hello. Say it with me. Everything we could ever need. Or the New Living says, by His divine power, God has given us everything we need For living a godly life. Everything we need. We have received all of this by coming to know him. So rather than you and I trying to figure out, you know, different, you know, if I can add this equation, if I can do this plus a little bit of this, well, then maybe I can experience some of his goodness. No, all of this is coming by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's how it came. That's how it comes. Now. Because of Jesus, my everyday needs are completely satisfied. Because of Jesus, God's love, hear this, is unrestricted towards me. And even when I miss the mark, because Jesus satisfied the justice of our holy God. Now, don't just think when God, when Jesus went to the cross, he took our place, our sin nature, correct? 
He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us so that we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus never sinned on this entire earth. He never did a thing wrong, yet he took on himself my sin. He took my shame. He took my mistakes. He took my sickness, and he took it upon his body so that when he rose from the dead, I could have everything he's got. Now, that was on our, on our end, but at the same time, now God also received something from the Lord as well, or from Jesus as well. What was it? Jesus satisfied the, the eternal justice that had, to be, that had to be quenched, that had to be satisfied. Like if you think about it, the father loves his children, but because of sin, sin demands death. The moment somebody sinned, you see that in the Old Testament. If you do this, you do that, stone them outside the camp. And you even see the Pharisees. Remember John chapter 8, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery? What did they do? The Pharisees threw her in front of everybody and said, Lord, we caught her in the act. What a bunch of weirdos. Peeping through holes, just like religion. Always looking, listen, this is religion, looking for what's wrong in a place. Listen, if you look hard enough, you'll find something wrong here. Why? Because there's we're people. There's going to be mistakes. I absolutely admit that. Am I perfect? No. But this religion does. Religion constantly, what are they doing? Oh, I'm going to put you under my little magnifying glass. I'm going to find everything possibly wrong with you, and I'm going to call you out on it, thinking that they're just doing so. No, you're not. You don't have the Father's intention or heart at all over you. But notice Jesus' response. The very law that these Pharisees came to judge her with, he now said, "Who is he without with a, uh, sin cast the first stone. He actually took the law and he put it back on them. And what did they do? They had to drop it, leave it all there. And he stood up and he said, hey, where are your accusers? Not here, Lord. He, now notice this. This is now Jesus not just saying, well, live however you want to live. He says, neither do I condemn you. What is that? Grace. Grace in not only sets you free, but empowers you. How do you think that lady left that scene? Completely changed. Never wanted to go back to that type of way of life anymore. It was the grace of God that pulled her out. And now she's going, I'm, I'm free. I don't want any of that anymore because it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Not the religion. Oh, you did that wrong. That's not our father. That's not God. So we have to get a software update to actually get a glimpse of who he really is. All right. And so because Jesus satisfied this, the father now was able to completely lavish the world with his love and with his kindness. That's what grace is. Anybody ever been blessed beyond your own self? Be, kind of blew your mind a little bit and you go, I, I didn't deserve that. What is that? Grace. Because <laughs> if you do deserve it, it's not grace. It's works. But when God, this is what God does. All of a sudden when you're acting just so ugly, you just being nasty. And God comes out and absolutely just blows your mind with a favor or with a blessing or with a word or something. And you just go, Oh, God, I've been a real giant. I didn't deserve any. That's grace. And that grace is to soften your heart, to turn towards the Lord and go, I want change, Lord. Help me. Teach me. And that's where you came. Maybe you came from that area where you were just a rough, tough, rock'em, sock'em type of an individual. And now all of a sudden, because of the grace of God, all of a sudden you get in an atmosphere where we were worshiping the Lord together and you're sobbing like a baby. How do you get there? His goodness. It's His grace. Anybody sitting beside a big baby this morning in, in a good way that you're just like... Man, these guys cry all the time. What's going on? What can you equate that to? His grace. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing just a big old tough 
400-pounder type of a guy walk in there experiencing the love of God, and he just drops to his knees. I've seen it. And what happens? They're completely wrecked by God. doesn't matter how much you can bench. All right. Now, come on now. 245. Anybody? 245. 245. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now the gospel is, let me just break this down. The gospel now is that God loved the world so much that he sent his son to pay the ultimate price for our sinful nature. And through his sacrifice, the justice of our holy God was met. So now God can fully love us with no restrictions. This is where we live in today is God has no restrictions on him. In the Old Testament, there were restrictions because justice hadn't been satisfied. So that's why year after year, an animal had to be killed to cover the sin of the people so that God could work with them to a degree. But now, Jesus took that all in. Now God goes, giddy up. I can absolutely lavish. And you see some of these, see some of these words in Paul's writings. He has freely lavished. He has abounded his grace towards you. These are big words. They're not just a little dab here. God overflows his grace towards you and I because justice is satisfied. Oh, man. Yeehaw. Okay. Now, so the key to breakthrough, the key to healing, deliverance, some of these churchy words that we hear. But listen, at the same time, we need to experience in our lives is not based on what I can do for God, but it's now based on do I believe that God has intense love for me? That's what it rests in. So let's dive into a little bit this this morning. Again, this statement, grace is here. I, I, I just keep hearing this in my heart. Grace is here. Grace is here. Grace is here. Romans 6, 14. Look at this verse real quickly with me. It says, sin is no longer your master. Thank God. Why? Because you no longer live under the requirements of the law. So if you're still dealing with sin, if sin is still something that's still, um, I still got this, I still got that issue, I'm still going with this. Can I just show you real clearly from the scriptures? It's because you're living under the law. Take some time to think that through. Sin is no longer your master. Why? Because you no longer live under the requirements of the law. What do I mean by that? Don't do this. If you do this, God's going to be mad at you. If you do this, oh, man, I keep messing up and all this. You're living under the requirements of the law. How do you know you shouldn't be doing that? Well, the Bible says I can't do it. So rather than delighting in the word, the word is now restricting you from wanting to do what you want to do. So now, instead, we live under the freedom of God's grace. And you find out grace teaches us. Say me. Christians, grace teaches us how to live godly lives in this world. Grace isn't a free-for-all, so you can just do whatever you want to do, sin however you want to sin, put in whatever you want to put in. That's not what grace is. Grace teaches you now how to live a separate life. Because again, when you hear about his immense grace, oh, what does it do? It wants you to change. Not go further into sin. It causes you to go, oh man, Lord, here's my life. What do you want? I'll give it all to you. It's grace, not the law. Okay, now, we have to allow and make room for the Spirit of God to give us a revelation to live in the freedom of God's grace. He's got to teach us this, but now notice this, because since grace reigns, I have to learn to become a citizen of grace. If grace is now reigning in this day and age that we are living in, I have to learn to be a citizen of it, meaning this, that it's not, 
I don't want to frustrate, Paul said in Galatians, I don't want to frustrate the grace of God. Meaning, I don't want to put it in peripheral view. It can't just be some, you know, oh, thank God for his grace, kind of a side, side thing over here once in a while. Maybe when I make a mistake, oh, God, I need your grace, forgive me, da-da-da-da. No, it has to be front and center of my life. The grace of God has got to be front and center of everything I do in my life because I am a citizen of grace. Can you see this? Look at this. I don't have this on the screen, but downstairs, guys, if you could get Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 3 in the Message Bible, I want you to see just the way that Paul explained this. Well, Eugene Peterson explained this, and it's just real beautiful. Verse 1, he says, so what do we do? Ah, guys, you're good. Thank you. What do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. Now, I believe as we get into this, I want to just throw this out there. But when you actually do a study of that word sin, there are two Greek words that you get for the word sin. One is a noun and one is a verb. And what is verb? Verb is the action. The noun refers to the spiritual condition on the inside. Now, Paul, through his letter in the the book of Romans, you see the word sin 48 times. And eight times it's used in reference to the verb sinning. Now, I'm just giving you this because it's kind of fun to study. Because when you look at this, Paul's not saying, do we just continue sinning in the sense of verb? He's referring to that old sin nature. And you may go, oh, it doesn't have to do anything. Read it. It'll change the way you view things. Because as we're still in this worth, meaning we're still going to be making mistakes. But that old nature that's on the inside of us is killed and gone. So it's no longer I'm obedient now to the nature on the inside of me. Now, if I want to sin, it's my choice. That's a huge difference. I'm no longer a slave to it. It's been killed. So if I sin, it's because I want to. So what do I got to do? I got to change my want to. And that's all done by grace. (laughs) Literally, you and I have nothing in this to do. Other than, we're going to see it in a sec, but I believe him. Really, that's it? Yeah. That's how simple people need it. That's how simple God knew that mankind needed is just keep it simple, stupid, saint. Kiss, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, saint. Or whatever, you, you fill in your own S word. <laughs> but he says, so what do we do? Do we keep on sinning on God so that God can be, keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and we left there for good? Talking now, the nature of sin. Okay, the nature is gone. That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country. How many remember you got your your baptism? Right, you went down. And went down, as you go down. We left that old nature of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of... It's like you stepped off the plane and you go, where where am I? Grace. You have to learn how to operate in this new life in a new land. Because if I still operate under the mindset of I still have a sinful nature, people say it a lot. I'm an old sinner saved by grace. Well, which one are you? Because if you're an old sinner, guess what? You still have the sin nature on the inside of you. You can't operate by grace. It don't work. Why? Because you're still stuck. That nature is still there. Sinners sin. That's why when Christians get mad at sinners for sinning, it's stupid because it's their nature. I can't believe they do that. 
that's who they are. That's the nature. So Jesus came to take care of that nature on the inside of us. Can we all see this? Am I making sense? Okay, let's finish it off. Verse 3 says, that's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. So what are you a citizen of? I'm a citizen. We would say, yeah, heaven, absolutely. But what's heaven? Grace. Okay, continuing on. Let's go on here. So in fact, I don't want to frustrate the grace of God. So what does Hebrews 13, 9 tell me? It now actually says to us, do not be carried away about various and strange doctrines. And the world is full of that. Various and strange doctrines. A lot of them, and we're not going to read it all, but it talks about even foods. People have doctrines and theologies and ideas about food. That's great. You do you. Wonderful. That's no problem with that. But once it becomes like your religion, you're a little bit messed up. Because it had profits you nothing. Sure, it does something once while great, but you do you. But instead, what does he say? Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that my heart or that the heart be established by grace. So what is he saying? Now that I've come into this grace country, this new land where grace is sovereign, what do I got to do? I have to now get established in the word and the understanding to my mind is renewed to function in this nation called grace. I have to be established in it in my heart. Not just hear about it once in a while and rely on grace. You know, go, grace, I've heard that so many times. Yeah, grace, 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 grace. No, I have to be established in it to the point where I know how to function in this country. The same way when you fly across the planet to go somewhere else, you know, when we're allowed to. When you go there, what do you do? You have to abide by the law. There are rules that are there. Anybody ever, you know, you go to England. I got some, where are my, where are my English friends? Where are they? Right over there. Where, is it got some British folk? Oh, here. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, so they drive on the wrong side of the road. Right, Dave? Yeah, okay. So when we go over there, I can't just go, y'all are stupid. You're supposed to go on the left side of the road. That's how you drive. They come here. How did you guys? Did you guys start off on the right side of the road, or did you, you learn sometimes? Oh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, a few times. But you learned right quick, oh, we don't do that here. we got to go on the other side of the road. It's you have to abide by the laws that are in that country, correct? Well, so much more. You've now come into, God saved you by his grace. He's called you to come out of darkness and into his eternal, you know, the kingdom of God's dear son. It is now required that you and I learn how this country operates. You can't just go, I want to do whatever I want to do here. It don't work that way. It's how am I supposed to do. I come in this because of God's goodness, I have got to learn now, again, through the Spirit of God on the inside of me, how to function here. I can't change the rules and because there's not going to be a presidential election in heaven where all of a sudden, you know, it's me against Jesus and we're running for, you know, lordship of how, God, I don't like the way things are. I, you know, vote, vote for Joel. We're going to do this a little differently. Are you kidding me? It's a dictatorship. But it's a beautiful place. It's an amazing place. But people are still trying to operate or even change the way God is to now go on to how they want him to be. It don't work that way. So instead of worshiping the God for who he is, we now made an image of him, and that becomes a dangerous place. When you're in this place of sovereign grace, guess what? What he says goes, and that's it. 
So if he says he wants to bless you, don't argue with him. Just go, thank you. If he says he doesn't want to remember your sin anymore, don't go, well, God, you don't remember what I did today. Shut up and just go, yeah, you're right. I better just, yeah. Hey, hey. all right, let's do that. Go with the flow with him. (laughs) All right. The mirror Bible, I said this last week, but it bears repetition. It says, do not be swayed by uh, distracting speculations. Any influence foreign to what grace communicates, even if it seems entertaining and carries the Christian label. There's a lot of that. Let it be shunned. So what do I do instead? I have to feast. Everybody say feast. Feast. What do we feast on? Anybody enjoy a good feast once in a while? I think of Dr. Susan, they feast and they feast and they feast on that Christmas dinner that they had, the Grinch. What do I do? I have to feast and feast and feast and feast on grace. When will I know that I'm actually starting to operate in this grace country? I'll learn how to live in a place called rest. When everything else is chaotic, I know how to go. Chaos is happening in front. What's wrong with you? Don't you see that gas is going up like this? My God will supply all my needs. You're operating by grace. Do you see this? Oh, but don't you see, oh man, COVID's got another wave coming. Do you see what's happening? And people are freaking out. And what do we do? Grace. I live in grace country. It will not come nigh me. A thousand may fall on my right. A thousand may fall on my other side. Well, this is right. This is left. But it will not come near me. Well, how do you get to that place? I have to feast on grace to the point that I become established now in the new law of this place called grace. Feast on it. Do, you, do not dilute your diet with legalism. There is no nourishment left in the law. So what's the use of being busy but not blessed? Religion people are busy, 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 busy. Blessed folk are. So if you're going, this seems like a really difficult place for me to get to. Hey, let's, let's, let's talk about that. Now, are we still good? Yeah. Now, let's go back here just for a moment. If I have to be established in grace, so the opposite, as we kind of just said a little bit, to a heart that is established in grace is a heart that is restless and fearful. Restless and fearful heart does not live with a consciousness about the grace of God. So the result is that they are concerned about everyday human life. And you can see that in Matthew chapter 6, in the Message Bible again, Jesus actually said, what I'm trying to get you to do here is relax. Stop trying to get from God so that you can respond to his giving. So much of the time, Christian, well, we're trying to get from him something he's already gave. So what do we have to do? Learn to respond and flow with the rhythms of grace. Okay. Now, how do I know, as I said, when my heart is established in grace, I will be at rest. So what do I have to do to get established in grace? I have to get scriptures concerning his grace or even his promises. Just feed on them. Feed on them. What did he say? What did he say? Meditate on them. Confess them. Write them down continually so it gets in your eyes, it gets in your mind, it gets in your ears, so that it gets down into your heart so that you know you're established. Because, again, the ultimate goal of all Christianity is Ephesians 3.17. This is the ultimate goal. Not formulas trying to figure out Christianity. If I can just pray this prayer, then God will do this. Are we kidding? 
If I could just use my faith like a genie lamp, I'm just wishing that this will work. God, you got to come through for me. It's, it's nuts. Instead of all having this relationship through grace. This is the ultimate goal. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you learn to trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love. And what's it going to do? Keep you strong. It's intentional. So now again, why do I need to be established in grace? Well, really to deepen my relationship with the Lord and to know my role in this relationship. But I have to understand, okay, now we come into grace country. Let's see what my work and my job is, again, in this place called grace. Can you guys just, are you okay still? Just maybe a wave or something just to make sure we're, we're okay. Okay. So the ones that didn't wave, I really don't really know what to do. So let's look again, Hebrews chapter 3. So now we've come to this place called grace. You came out of that baptismal tank. You came out of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And what happened when you accepted him? Your eyes went. Who, who remembers? You went, oh, the love of God just overwhelmed you. And you were just a beautiful mess for however long it was. And then what happens? Well, you know, it just starts to peter out because, uh, you know, life gets in the way and just stuff happens. But we have to continually keep this before our eyes. I ought not to be, like a lukewarm Christian makes no sense. In fact, Jesus said, I spit you out of my mouth. So how do we keep the fire burning? Like we sang about it. Put a fire, like it's not like God's going to go, okay, I'm going to just keep putting fire in you. I have to become aware of his grace. I have to put myself in a place to see it, to look at it, so that I keep this flame burning. What do I do? I go back to the things that I did at first. I spent time with the Lord, worshiping, praying, spending time in his word. I was obsessed with him. Get back to that. Very simple. It's not this, oh, God, it's just so hard. No, just do the works you did at first. Now, so God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest because they disobeyed him. Now, okay, now look at verse 19. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in what? In unbelief. So when I now come into this place called grace, I get off the plane and here I land. Okay, here it is. What is my role? What is my job now in this place called grace? It is now to fully function in this operation that I am believing him. God equates unbelief with disobedience. So in New Testament, what is disobedience? Unbelief. In the New Testament, what is obedience? Belief. So you have to go follow that type of mentality all throughout Scripture. Every time you see the word obey, it means to believe. Every time you see the word disobey, it means unbelief. This is the way that God set it up. Now, again, because God equates belief with obedience, my actions are not the first place where belief occurs. Where is the first place that belief occurs in the New Testament? Is me believing the gospel. Say with me, I believe the gospel. That's the work. That's the work. So remember, we come off this plane. Oh, but I want to do, I want to do. Oh, something, you know, police officer in heaven. That's not how we do things here. And your ticket is believe. And all of a sudden, you start working and going hard again. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this work. Oh, God, if you could just give me victory in this. God goes, hold on a sec. Believe. 
oh, right, uh, okay, yes, sir, I'll, I'll make sure I'll do that. And we kept getting sucked in and pulled back into this legalism, into this way, I have to perform, I have to do, I have to get victory, and it all comes from a wrong standpoint, and heaven's writing tickets like crazy right now. In fact, he gave the whole book of Galatians to, to fix that mindset. Because you had a whole bunch of churches that started out right. Look at this, Galatians 3.1. They started out beautifully. And do you ever see Paul going, well, y'all, you, you guys aren't doing this, this commandment. Why aren't you doing number four? Number four and five, you really should be doing. He's not even addressing any of that. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear as to you as if you had seen a picture of Jesus' death on the cross. Let me ask you this question. Now, let's be good for us to answer this for ourselves. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by doing? No. How did you receive the Spirit? Because you believed. Come on, this is the big word here. Because you believed the message. That's it. So you say, that's it. Poke your neighbor, say, that's it. This is the work in grace country. Believe. Say it with me, believe. I believe. That's the work. And the father gets so excited about that. He goes on to say, verse 3, How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives by the Spirit, believing, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? He said, it makes no sense. Why are you doing that? Verse 4, have you experienced so much for nothing? Verse 5, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit? Now notice this. Does he do miracles among you because you obeyed so well? No, of course not. Why does he do these amazing things? Because you and I believe. So when we come into a service, it's not like, okay, I have to do things right. No, get your believing right. Right believing means right living. And in the church, sometimes we've screwed that up. We go, you got to get the behavior right so God can bless. Grace country would say, that's not how we operate here. And if you continue that, we don't want to deport you. Obey the way grace laid it out. It means to believe and to think that, well, God, it's just, it feels good that I do these things. You slap the grace of God in the face every time you think that by your efforts, you can make something happen. Every time. So what am I doing? I'm done frustrating the grace. Lord, I don't know how to do this, but I believe you. And that's my spot. That's my position. Okay. Now. My believing, again, as we said last week, it gives grace the access to my life. If you're going, well, okay, grace has done all these things. How now do I get into this position where now grace, I'm experiencing it in my life? Grace requires faith. There's only one way that the provision of God, everything his grace has provided, salvation, And that big word is not just me going to heaven. Soterio is simply, there is four or five Greek words that bring out this word. If I want to experience all that, it requires my believing. So grace needs an access point. Now look at this. Let me ask you this question. Oh man, I'm I'm all over. I don't even know where I am anymore. That's cool. Let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 3 one more time here for a sec. But I want you to notice they could not enter their inheritance... Say with me, they could not enter what? Their inheritance, the promises, the blessing, the things that God had laid out for them before the foundation of the world because their hearts were in an unbelieving state. So does it matter what you believe? 
Oh, yeah. It totally matters what you believe. This is who we are. We are believers. Now, look over here in Romans chapter 4, verse 16. If you do a study in Romans, you get a really good glimpse of Father Abraham. And he is our father in the faith because he believed God after God showed him the stars, after God showed him the sand, and said, that's how many descendants you'll have. And what did it say? Abram worked hard, had more sex. (laughs) Right? What did he do? He believed God, and it was accounted to him as what? Righteousness. He what? He did what? He believed God. And God calls him friend. Thank you, friend. Somebody who will work with me. God is looking for somebody to work with. What does he need? My belief. Romans 4, 16, it says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Look at this in the New Living Bible. It says, So the promise is received. How? By faith. There's no other way to tap into grace other than receiving it by faith. There's no other way. You cannot make it up another way. This is it. Well, if I just work really hard, that's not what he said. The promise, the inheritance, the blessings of God, the promises of God in his word, what grace has for you and I can only be received by faith. So people that have a problem with faith, I go, you're nuts. Because this is the only way, the Bible says, the just or those that have been declared righteous are supposed to live by faith. Why? So they can receive all that grace has provided. So now I've come into grace country. My, my, my role here is to believe. Why? Because grace has so much it wants to show me. Grace has so much it wants to do in me. Grace has so much it, wants to, it has already done for me. But it can't be activated unless I say, I believe. And that's what we read all last week, that, hey, these signs will follow them that believe. So believing is a major deal in the Christian walk. If you choose not to believe what this word says, it's not that God's mad at you. It's not like he hates you. He can't get to you. Grace is all over. But what does it need? It needs a portal. And the only portal that grace has is somebody that says, I believe. I remember reading from, you know, a gentleman, Smith Wigglesworth, he would say, God would pass over a million or two million people just to get somebody who would cry out in their belief. Take a stand and say, I believe this, even though all of hell breaks loose, even though it makes no sense naturally, Lord, I believe it. Oh, that turns God on. It says in Hebrews eleven six, it is impossible to please him without it. But he says at the same time, if it's impossible to please him without it, guess what it does to when somebody believes? It turns him on. And when God gets turned on, watch out, baby. Grace just can't. And you're like, God, that's Why? Because grace is just shooting you. What does it need? Faith. It needs access. Jesus is begging his church. Even here, when I come back, will I find faith? I'm looking for it. Where is it? And meanwhile, we just keep doing our Christian little programs, and there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But I believe we're coming to a place where there is just an overload of grace, and we need to start being recipients so that we can give it off. I think I should finish. 
I just don't know how to land the plane. Like, where, where do, you, do you circle around again? Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We have another 45-minute wait as other things are landing. No. Let's, I'm going to finish with this. There's a lot more to this, but I'll finish off this last verse in Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> landing God's feathers? All right. All right. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Let's finish off with this. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Huh. My Passion Bible says a little differently. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion on mine. It says, For by grace you have been saved by faith. So say that again together with me. By grace I have been saved by faith. This is it. Can you see? This is the only cycle there is. There's no magic potion. There's no anointed, strong enough prayer to come and all of a sudden, go, oh, that, that, that did it. A lot of times we have this spray and pray mentality. We're bombarding heaven, hoping one sticks. Oh, Lord, I'm going to load this one up. And so what do I do? I get all these scriptures. I get all this stuff and boom. Didn't work. Friends, I need you to come, 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 come. And we're just hoping that one of them just, ah, it's stuck. And then, oh, yeah, it worked, it worked, it worked. And then what do we do? Because we're people, we go back and we make a tradition out of it. And we say, well, let's sing that song again. Let's do that thing again. Because all I tell you, God was in that last time, so he's got to do it again. Why limit God? Why put him in a box? So what am I going to do? Instead, i got to be led. Holy Spirit, what do I got to do here? He's going to show you what to believe. I'm dealing with physical symptoms in my body. I'm just going to pray. Get wisdom first. (laughs) Because the Lord may be saying, go to bed a little earlier. Well, no, I'm going to go to bed at 1, still eat my McDonald's at 1, and then I'll go to bed, and I'm expecting God, you make this all better. He told you to go to bed. That's grace speaking. So face response is, I'm going to bed. That's the response. <laughs> okay. We doing okay? I feel like I'm glistening. Is it the Lord? Oh, sweat. Okay. For it was through, no, I keep, that's the wrong passion. It says, by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast for salvation is never a reward for good works of human striving. Now listen, this word saved, again, as I said, soteria, it means deliverance. This is the actual Greek. So when you read these words in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved. That word saved is soteria. Say it with me, soteria. And it doesn't just mean I miss hell, go to heaven. That's, that's a part of it. But it means delivered. For by grace, I have been delivered. Next word for soteria. For by grace, I am healed. For by grace, I am protected. This is soteria. For by grace, I am safe. And for by grace, I've been made whole. That all comes out of that word, saved, in Ephesians 2.8. Now notice, for by grace, I am made whole through faith. 
That's your answer. So what do I need to do? I need to get into this word and I need to establish my heart in his grace so I see and become fully conscious of what he has already provided for me. Did we get anything out of this? Are we okay? Oh, so let's just receive it this morning. Jesus already got everything that you may be praying about. He obtained the victory. My job is to believe and maintain the victory. Faith gets, let me make it a little bit, little bit differently. Grace got, faith takes. Grace already got it all. Here's the whole table. What do you need, family? What do you need? Faith says, come and eat. What do you need? Wholeness. That's relationships. That's everything. It's all at this table. My job is to now boldly sit at this table and say, I need some of this. I take it. I believe you for it. I take this. I believe. I take this. I believe. I take this. I believe. I believe. I believe. You cannot exhaust the grace of God. There's so much of it. That he, there's so much of it that for eternity, he's going to show you how much grace there is. And then just when you think that's it, he opens up a whole nother curtain. Go, hey, look at this. For billions and billions of years, we'll be going. I believe this is going to be like our, our family portrait that's going to be hanging above Father's throne. It's going to be this. Listen, there's so much to him. Julian, you've got to come up here to shut me up. But just, I even heard this little testimony that even the, the pieces of hair in God's head are all different galaxies of his grace. You go to one strand, you can actually look into it and go, whoa, there's a whole other galaxy there. Every strand he's got. So grace is inexhaustible. You go, well, I need healing. Well, I need this as well. He's going, come, it's provided for. You just got to believe it. Well, how, how do I believe it? You got to get into that word and hear it and hear it and hear it to the place you go, I believe without a shadow of a doubt. The same way that you were born again, child of God, is the same way you can know that you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. It's the same grace.